Welcome, baseball fans. Quickly, before today's episode of the Running the Bases podcast, I recorded this a little while back with my buddy Scott Brown, a huge White Sox fan. We're just talking all things White Sox. He's a close friend of mine, huge sports fan, huge Chicago sports fan. The White Sox aren't getting enough national love right now, nor have they ever, really, in the last 50 years, even though they have won a World Series. So this is me and my buddy Scott Brown talking White Sox baseball. Uh, It's a really fun show. It was a lot of fun to record. Uh, Again, we recorded a little while ago, so some of the stuff is dated, but I think you'll enjoy it. So, but first, Mr. David Wayngarden. Welcome, baseball fans. It is time for the Running the Bases podcast. No coach bounds today. I am joined by my good friend, Scott Brown. Scott, this has been a long time in the works. Welcome to the show. Woo! Excited to be here. <laughs> hey, everybody. Let me just start it out with a little Harry Carey because he was ours first. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to the... What is this? Po- what's a podcast? Uh, Harry, it's, uh, it's, it's like a radio show, but it's pretty... Hey, did I ever tell you about the time... <laughs> When I was down on Wacker Boulevard and... Uh, what do you do? Don't touch my mic. <laughs> Sorry, Harry. I just had to adjust it just a wee bit. Um, Scott, for those who don't know, and, and now you know, you are a... Uh, you're, you live in Atlanta uh, by way of L.A., but from Chicago, lifelong sports Chicago guy, lifelong fan of the White Sox. Southside represent. Southside represent. You are the true white, the lone White Sox fan that I know, but a <laughs> <laughs> that most people know. Yeah, but uh, but true and true throughout. So we're going to talk all things White Sox on the podcast today. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, the White Sox are Chicago's other baseball team. <laughs> we are a professional Major League Baseball team, <laughs> and you actually play in the city of Chicago. We play in the city. So, of Chicago. So when the White Sox win championships, it counts towards sh- championships within the city of Chicago. Apparently only on the south side, but and ESPN doesn't count them, but we count them. And, and in the record books, it's counted. <laughs> we you, are an actual team. Do you feel like ESPN now gets that or no? No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. We are the redheaded stepchild of Chicago sports. Well, let's start there. So again, you grew up in Chicago. Um, how does one become a White Sox fan and not a Cubs fan? Here's how it breaks down. It breaks down regionally, but it also breaks down uh, so, like uh, uh, ethnicity-wise. I was born on the South Side. I grew up on the south side. Cubs were on the north side. The White Sox uh, are a south side team. They were closer to me than the Cubs were. If you're a minority, the Sox are kind of your team. African Americans, Hispanics mostly live on the south suburbs, south side of the Chicago, south suburbs. So that's going to be the team you root for. If you're white, you <laughs> Caucasian, You mostly root for the Cubs because the Cubs are on the north side, which are mostly white suburbs. So that's how it kind of breaks down. 
Um, and most, if you're, if you're white and you live in the South suburbs, a lot of those people came from the North side. So they're still Cub fans, but I was born on the South side. White Sox were closer to me. That was my team. <laughs> well, is it, is it, is it parental influence as well? Were no. your, were your parents, uh, uh, and you are Puerto Rican by the way, for those who, for those who don't, uh, who, who, who can't don't see your loving face. I right don't now. sound it. <laughs> no, but not yes. at all. Uh, no, my dad, uh, he, was a, he was from Cleveland, so he was an Indians fan, but he loved baseball, so he would take us to uh, baseball games. Also, I played baseball, and then um, our little league, uh, our league would go to Comiskey Park like you do right. at the end of the season, and then you just walk around the outfield and... You know, around the rim of the field, free snow cone. Yeah, free snow. Exactly, <laughs> and, and we would do that at Comiskey because, again, it was closer to us. What was uh, this? Is OG Comiskey Park? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, give us a snapshot of what it was like for you seeing a baseball game at the original Comiskey Park. OG Comiskey. Uh, I remember the the one of the biggest things I remember is the trough where you urinated. <laughs> no joke they didn't have individual urinals it was a trough oh yeah and you peed right next and like dongs were out man <laughs> and it was just you were in a trough that i remember distinctly um you know wrigley had that too though i don't talk about wrigley <laughs> but uh that um it was it looked a lot like um tiger stadium Sure. Yeah. The architecture, it looked like that. Um, the enclosed facade and the exactly. upper deck kind of felt like you were in a fort. Yeah. Or at least that's what it looks like. Exactly. Uh, and it was it was that. Uh, were you there at Disco Demolition Night, by the way? Funny enough, my brother, my dad, my brother's best friend, and his dad were there. I wasn't there, <laughs> uh, but they were there. And my dad tells a story of how it was one of the most frightening moments he had ever been in like wow there were records flying all over the place people were just throwing them like discus and it was a crazy time and uh yeah he was there for that yeah bill veck i mean when you hear the words bill veck what's the first thing that comes to mind greatness (laughs) (laughs) greatest showman ever I forget was was disco demolition the same as the five cent beer night? Wasn't that the same thing? Uh, and that was they, I think they were different nights, but he came up with five cent. He had a lot of them that we had, and they've continued it. But there was a shower in center field. People would like an outdoor <laughs> shower. You just you know he 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 came up with that. Uh, the softball it, shorts. That's oh a favorite. God. Yeah. That was around <laughs> a tortured my time. Favorite. That yeah. was around my time. Like the first kind of White Sox jersey. It wasn't like it was a T-shirt, but it was that. It was with the kind of, uh, what are they, like gothic writing. Oh, yeah. Chicago. Yeah, sure. And then it the had script. The, yeah, yeah, the script. There you go. And and then it had the collars. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was brutal. It was, and then we had the softball shorts. A lot of bad... The White Sox, we've had a lot of bad uniforms, and we've gone every color. Like we were red and white back in the day. We were black and red. We were black and white. We were red, white, and blue. We were blue and navy and white. We were now we're black and white, which is what we should be. 
yeah, it's pretty classic looking now. Yeah. You know, with the pinstripes and the, the, you got to give credit though. And by we, I mean, everyone listening and across the country, the flying batsman logo is one of the best. I love that logo. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I love that logo, but I don't love it. I'm still a huge fan of the, the script socks sure. on the hat. Like I've seen a lot of hats with the Batsman logo where we would just like, I think we'd wear those in batting practice. You do now. Yeah. yeah. It's the new, it's the new throwback, like spring training look. Right. The Braves here have the, the, the seventies a yeah. part of theirs, but yeah, go on. I like it. Uh, but I'm a big fan of the socks with like the, that I can't even describe. I don't know. Like Gothic script. Yeah. Uh, socks hat. Oh yeah, 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 I'm still a big fan. And it's on the angle. The SOX is yeah, on the angle. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. So growing up rooting for the White Sox, what was the uh, first year? It was 83 that yeah. you, you experienced actual baseball success. Yes. I remember that team very well. The Go-Go Sox, 83. Awful uniforms again. The red, white, and blues <laughs> with the number on the pants. Just the block lettering across the yeah. jerseys. They're, they're not great. They're great for throwbacks, though, every once in a while. But again, yeah, great team. That that team. Ozzie, Tony, Tony La Russa managed. Tony La Russa yeah. managed. Ozzie Guillen at short. Britt Burns. Oh, man. Uh, Lamar Hoyt. Carlton Fisk behind the plate. Harold Baines. Greg Lazinski. I don't think Chet Lemon was on that team. He, I think he was off that team by then. Um, Ron Kittle. Joey Cora at at second, who became not sorry, not Joey Cora, Julio Cruz, my bad, Ooh. who became my favorite player because he was number sixteen, my favorite number, and he was Puerto Rican, and I'm Puerto Rican, and he played second base, I played infield, so Julio Cruz became my favorite player. Who else was in the outfield? Uh, uh, stand by. Vance Law. You had a, your starting lineup was Fisk. Uh, uh, first baseman Tom Pasiorek. Tom Pasiorek. Tom Pasiorek. No, he, Britt Burns was... Uh, Pasiorek might have been his backup. Check out Britt, Britt Burns. Just going through... These were, these were the, the starting positions, but Julio Cruz at second, Dubinsky at short, Vance Law at third, Kittles left, Rudy Law in center, Harold Baines at right, and then uh, your DH was Greg Luzinski. And then your your your, uh, your first baseman Mike Squires. Squires, that's it. There Britt Burns was I think Britt Burns was a pitcher. Uh, Stand by. Yes, Britt Burns was your fourth starter. Squires, number three. Yep. Yep. My brother loved Mike Squires. I don't know why. Yeah, he did they, though. They had um, that block lettering in the flying batsman. Which, wait, who who did you say the shortstop was? Because it was Ozzy. The uh, the shortstop, the starting shortstop was Jerry. Uh, uh, Dubinsky, and then you had Scott Fletcher. Scotty Fletcher, yep. Yep. Um, Ozzy Guillen, I don't... I guarantee he was on that team. If not, we're going to erase this whole... <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that part out. No, I'm not seeing the uh, the, the, the great Ozzy Guillen. When did Ozzy come in? 1985. Guillen, Guillen oh. comes in in 1985. All right, so... With that '83 team, you know they go to and they lose in the in the league championship series. But did you feel like like describe Chicago in general as the White Sox are succeeding that year? Uh, had no idea. <laughs> Zero idea. You go you go to you go to restaurants and the, on the schoolyard, no one's talking about no, not <laughs> not not at all, not a peep. Did you feel like? There was some sort of national attention for the first time. No, 
<laughs> Zero. Here's the thing. What it's like to be a White Sox fan. So a friend of mine was was talking to me about like what's the what's it like? And I said, here's what it's like. I went to this was like two years ago. I went to a uh, a souvenir shop in Chicago. There's uh, hundreds of them on Michigan Avenue. And I went in there and I looked on the wall. It's a long, long wall. And half of the wall was like Cubs stuff, Cubs gear, Cubs everything. Then. A great portion of it was Bears. Huge portion of it was Blackhawks. The White Sox and the Chicago Fire <laughs> shared a small portion of the wall. Shared it. We are on par with the MLS team. <laughs> that's how bad, and that's exactly what it's like to be a fan. Cubs, get all the love. 2016, yay, we won a... And even before they won the World Series, it was always a Cub town. They were the lovable losers. People, they had day games. Guys went to those games to get drunk. It was a bar that happened to have a baseball field in the middle of it. Right, right. And Famously so. Yeah. And, for so many decades. And and Comiskey wasn't that. It was, it was like every other baseball field around. And, and we were the... We're just the redheaded stepchild of of Chicago. Like, it's which, insane. Which is amazing to me because the White Sox have been in existence since 1901. I mean, they are on the same timeline as like the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees, and they even had White Sox has been the team name for the entirety of the franchise, whereas the Yankees were the Highlanders at first, and they actually were Baltimore before that. Um, but it's good that you share space with the Chicago fire. That's really nice. Yeah. Equal, <laughs> equal space with the Chicago fire. Um, you left out the bulls in that, in that oh, yeah. description of that. Uh, they had a bigger space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm, that I'm, was with D Rose on the mend and, uh, no shot at winning a championship. They still had more space than the White Sox. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Uh, so late, late eighties. Yeah. A certain uh, individual uh, who hails from Georgia uh, stepped up to the plate. Uh, you may remember him as uh, the Big Hurt. Uh, his given name, Frank Thomas. Lovely man. <laughs> Beautiful man. Beautiful really. man. Describe the Frank Thomas experience. Because at that point, you know, I felt like the White Sox were a national team because of Frank. And then shortly thereafter, Bo Jackson comes over. Now it's like they felt established. They felt like a power at that point. Well, so from an outsider's perspective, I mean, I had Frank Thomas starting lineup figures and, you know, coveted his baseball card when yeah. it came through the booster pack. So I think he came in in what, like 89, 90, 89, 90. Yeah. So that was also the time that we built the new stadium. Correct. So new Comiskey, which it was for like a year or two, it was just <laughs> new Comiskey, which was a great name. We're going to get to the current name a little later on. God, I have that. I hope not. I have that in the run. We don't have to. I think they're, no, we'll we probably won't. run out of time before we get to that. But anyway. It's the middle of the afternoon. You don't have anything to do. Oh, look at the time. <laughs> uh, so New Comiskey, uh, it came at the same time as, as the Big Hurt. So there was a lot of excitement around both. Then he turned out to be a once in a generation player. Unbelievable. His stats for the first, I think, like, eight years of his career are unparalleled. Like, he was putting up 
300 batting average, I think over 25 or 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 100 walks, and what was the other thing? Well, oh. back, back-to-back MVPs, top 10 in the MVP for seven years straight. Yeah. He, yeah. he was Once a freak generation. of nature. Huge guy. And I don't, like, Dave Winfield was a big guy, but he didn't have the bulk of hurt. I'd never seen a guy who looked like a linebacker or a tight end. I mean, he played tight end at Auburn, but I've never seen a guy that big play baseball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was truly the big hurt. And, and what not a on sweet steroids, s- by the way. Not on steroids. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Clean through and through. And that is, you know, <clears throat> and, and this is where, you know, I have so much respect for Frank Thomas is that from early on, he was like, you know, test these ass. Yeah. You're a-holes. Sorry. Come on. See, see Come the on, effect talk. that you have here? Yeah. Um, there's occasionally kids listening, so I try to be on my best behavior. But at any rate, Frank Thomas was early and often saying, you need to test these guys. They are uh, not on the level. And that's why his numbers are, if you adjust for the steroid era inflation, even more incredible. Even more impressive, yeah. Yeah, and it, going from 1993, uh, and I'd even forgotten this, he's a rookie in 1990. In 1991, he finished his third in the MVP voting. Yeah, uh, and a Silver Slugger at that. But uh, here, here he owned the Silver Slugger. I think <laughs> at first base, I think he owned it for. Was he Gold Glove too? Uh, no, no, he was not. It's a little lagging in the no. uh, in, in the glove department. Yeah. But uh, starting in 1992, or I'm sorry, starting in 91, 32. 24, 41, 38, 40, 40, 35, 29, then beset by a little bit of injury. Uh, RBIs, uh, 109, 115, 128, 101, 111. I mean, one of the greatest seven-year stretches of any player in the history of baseball Yeah, and completely deserved first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, could hit uh, with power definitely. He hit some shots, but could also was a contact hitter. Oh, could yeah. spray it around everywhere. And what a swing, man. Just, oof. Picture perfect. It's so lovely. And, uh, man, I would not want a comebacker off of that guy. <laughs> Jeez. You also wouldn't want to throw one high and tight and have him oh, no. <laughs> stare you down. No, at no. The, uh, he, was, he's yeah. a huge guy, and he, he could do a lot. He could run. He, he was, it, it was like w- watching something you'd never seen before. He, he was a marvel. He was a marvel. And he put the White Sox, he was the superstar that actually put the White Sox on the map. And a few years later, you know, Bo Jackson joins the fray. And so now, and then Albert Bell later Albert on. Albert Bell, yeah. So, so, but he carried us for a long time. Um, and we had some good teams. We had like uh, Blackjack McDowell, um, Ozzy was on those teams, uh, Joey Cora. Um, you know, he was carrying the team. Uh, who was his, uh, and then, but we got Polly, and then it was kind of a one, two punch for a little bit there, but yeah, they Robin, were always Robin Ventura, Robin Ventura on, was, on that team yes, as well. Robin Ventura. It was him and him and him and hurt for a long time. And Robin could play it, man. That now you want to talk about gold gloves. That guy could play that third base. Yeah. Underrated, if anything, and that's that's the White Sox black hole is that people forget how good Robin Ventura was yeah. at playing the game of baseball. So 
let's talk 1994. 1994, we were the number one team in the AL, I do believe. Yep. We were on our way to the World Series. That was like the best team we had had in a, since 83. And we were on fire. And we were, I think it was like us and the Expos. Yep. It was shaping up to be those two teams. The Indians were lurking, but the White Sox were the front runner. We were the front runner. That was before, I don't think we had Albert Bell at that, at that moment. Bell was on the Indians. He was on at the Indians, moment. yeah. Yeah, but that, that 94 team, you have uh, top to bottom, I'm going to kill this name, Karkovice. Oh, yeah. Ron, Ron Karkovice behind yeah. the dish. Yep. Uh, the aforementioned Big Hurt, Joey Cora at second. Lovely. <laughs> Guillen at short. Ventura at third. Oh. Uh, Hall of Famer Tim Raines Absolutely, in, in yeah. left field. Centra, uh, the Rock. <laughs> Lance Johnson in center. Darren, one dog. <laughs> Darren Jack. What, one, DJ, who became a, a broadcaster. And then Julio Franco, the oh, ageless wonder. The ageless, ageless wonder. Yeah. We still never knew his age. I think from, he's still playing. So, somewhere. No, he's still playing like high A. Yeah, he's he's trying to crack the team, uh, a major league roster somewhere. 60 years old. He's he's on the comeback Maybe. Trend. He was probably 60 when he played for us in 94. Right. Well, his birth certificate, you know, could have said anything. Yeah, and it did. <laughs> it did. I, I, I remember uh, Julio Franco had a, a very beloved tenure right here in Atlanta and he had one of the greatest at-bats I've ever seen in 2004 against Kyle Farnsworth and the Chicago Cubs. And he won that at-bat, I'll have you know. <laughs> Farnsworth was at the time top dog reliever throwing triple digits before everybody was throwing triple digits. Mm-hmm. And man, Franco fought him off 15 pitches deep and then hit, roped a double. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> Much love for Julio Franco. Julio Franco, the ageless wonder. But then the strike happens. Strike happened. What ha- what had so what what explains the fall off the immediate next year and then it's the Indians world for the next it, it, yeah five. it became yeah. the Indians world I think uh, injuries um, I'd have to as you remember it though as I remember it injuries and are you still it, it, this is ninety four ninety five you're still living in Chicago. At this point, during, during this this big run, I am actually in, um, yeah, I'm in college, uh, in Chicago, uh, taking in a, a few games uh, here and there. Forgot um, about Wilson Alvarez, Alex Fernandez. That starting staff oh, was man. legit. Yeah, yeah, it was in it like that. Ninety four man, Jason Beret. So my, a roommate in college had grown up with Jason Beret in Boston. So. We got tickets to go see Jason pitch one time, and that was really cool. But yeah, Jim Abbott, one-handed pitcher, yep. he was on that. He was on that staff. Roberto Hernandez was our closer, stud. Yep. Um, yeah, we had some. We had we had a really good team. Mike Soraka. Wow, I'm looking at these names. It's hilarious. All these names come flooding back. But then '95, we get James. We got John Cruck. Yeah, well past his prime, but well, well past his prime. <laughs> but Re- a '93 National League champion, you know, yeah, one of the best players on a on a on a World Series uh, participant. Yeah, and he did well. Um, we got Ray Durham, Ray Ray, at second base in '95, and then, uh, it, but I think I think it was injuries. I don't remember much, but I think it was injuries uh, that 
that did us in in 95. And also, you know, the Indians uh, just became a power. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great uh, recent special on uh, on MLB Network about the dynasty that never was. You can thank the Braves for some of that. <laughs> One of the few things <laughs> the Braves actually stole from somebody else. Yeah. Great pitching will beat great hitting um, every time. Um, and underappreciated that new Comiskey was part of the retro movement. You know, the yeah. the Baltimore, the Camden Yards got all the praise and love the following year. But Comiskey Correct. was finally we're moving away from the concrete donut and the super domes and yeah. whatever. Um, did the White Sox, though, did they get swallowed up in the Jordan years just within the city limits of Chicago? Yeah, because, again, yeah. here is a team <laughs> that was on its way to the World Series. Probably was on the back page. Like, yeah. They weren't getting a lot of love still. But then sh- Michael Jordan, he goes to the White Sox. He went to the White <laughs> he, Sox. He did yeah. his best to the, help them exactly. out. Exactly. In 95. Yeah. Or 90, sorry, 94. He goes and, and plays a double A and does actually quite well for a guy who hasn't played since like a kid. Yeah. You know, he did quite well. Everybody's like, oh, he like SI had that whole thing. Like, oh, what did it say? It had a picture of him Error swinging. Jordan. Yeah. And it was like, why Michael's embarrassing himself or, you know, baseball. But you look at his stats and for a guy who hadn't picked up a, a bat in probably over a decade, he did pretty well. The the 30 for 30 doc about Jordan rides the bus oh. reminds us all that, you know, he, he hit in that Arizona fall league and being one of the great competitors of all time, if not the greatest competitor competitor in American sports, he would have figured it out. I, I, I now am a believer, a true believer that he would have figured it out and yeah. would have, would have factored in a greater way had he stay, uh, stayed with baseball. But it, it, this, yeah, it goes to show you that the White Sox, 92, 93, 94, they're one of the best teams in baseball. And yeah. yet, where did they get relegated in the city of Chicago? Exactly. And, and, you know, to go along with, you know, the hurt, and then we had the new stadium. We also had the new, that was the new uniforms. That's when they debuted, the, the pinstripes, the black top, the gray like that, we had a whole new look, whole yeah. new shiny look, and no one cared. <laughs> the good guys wear black. Good guys wear black. Exactly. Good guys wear black. WGN for the win. Um, well, let's talk because we want to talk about the current state of affairs. But I'd be remiss to not talk about that 2005. Oh, let's get into it. World Championship team. Uh, personal feelings on the 2005 team. The floor is yours. Where do I start? That team. Do you I need some Kleenex? I, 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 might, I might. That I love that team. Wow. What a... Uh, I loved Ozzy coming on as manager. Uh, I, I thought he brought a no attitude. Um, no BS. Yeah, thank you. No BS <laughs> attitude. Um, that Jerry Manuel, who had been the manager before kind of was really lax, really kind of just calm and just didn't do much. And then Ozzy comes in and he is just a fireball. And because he had played with us for most of his career, he like wanted us to win. He wanted us to be successful and he pushed and pushed. We got uh, Brzezinski. He comes to us. Instigator. He comes to us from the twins 
um, who, when he was a twin, we hated him, uh, and he came to us. We got Polly Canerco in his probably later half of prime, but maybe in his prime. Um, the resident kind of superstar yeah, of, it, a, of a team of just working class heroes. Exactly. And he kind of took the mantle from Frank. So Frank was at, uh, he was still on that team, but he was injured most of that year. Um, he put up some decent numbers when he was in, but this was the year of Frank being a DH. And whenever Frank would DH, he didn't hit as well as when he played the field. But that was a that was tough because Paul Canerco's a better first baseman. True. So we had him DH, and then he got hurt. Uh, we got Carl Everett later on in the season to help DH. Um, here's a funny story. The offseason of 2005, going into that season, the season before that, we had uh, we had some y- y- really good young guys. Maglio Ordonez. Maglio. On the oh, rise, Maglio. <laughs> Maglio. We <laughs> traded him, <laughs> which was sad. And then we had El Caballo, Carlos Lee, the horse. And the, that offseason, we traded him to Milwaukee for Scott Pesednik. My best friend who is a Cubs fan calls me up and goes, Hey, you traded Carlos Lee. And I was like, what, what, why would we do that? He's young. He's, he's putting up huge numbers. Like, why would we do that? Who did we get? And he said, Scott Pesednik. And I said, (laughs) what the is a Pesednik? (laughs) I was like, what is, what's a Pesednik? I didn't even know who he was. Sounds like a sandwich at like a Chicago hoagie stand or something. Totally. So this, <laughs> Ozzy had uh, Ozzy had figured out because before that we were all about and bef- and years before like baseball had been about bashing. You you wanted to get your your DH your first baseman your third baseman you wanted big guys and that's what was, you wanted your Albert Bell with your Frank Thomas with the, like and we did that with your. Paul Canerico, you wanted bashers. And then when Ozzy came in, him and Kenny Williams, who was our GM, wanted to get rid of the bashers because we had Ordonez, Carlos Lee, Frank, uh, Canerico. Like, we had the bashers. But Ozzy wanted to change it, and he wanted, he needed a, a, a quicker, base-stealing leadoff guy. We didn't have that. And that's why we went and got Scott Pesednik. I had no idea who he was. <clears throat> and uh, so we got Pesednik. We, we got this kid, Tadahito Iguchi. Oh, yeah. Second baseman who I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> Tadahito Iguchi. Okay, great. Sounds like a clothing line. F- from, yeah, I guess yeah. from Japan. I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. Is that that new Iguchi? Oh, it is the new Iguchi. I'm oh, glad you nice. noticed. Yeah, um, very stylish. Pairs well with uh, <laughs> any uh, any event. Yeah, so we get him, uh, an aging Carl Everett as well. Yeah, we got him. I think during the season. I don't think we had him at the beginning of the season. Uh, we had yeah, picked yeah. up Jermaine Die either in the off season or or the no. Yeah, I think in that off season, we picked up Jermaine Die. Aaron Rowan was our center fielder. He was in our uh, minor leagues, so he came up with us. Uh, Joe Creedy again, 
came up with us, he was turning into a great third baseman, like defensively stellar. He was on Ventura's level uh, and could hit. We had Juan Uribe, who we picked up, veteran, shortstop, pudgy, <laughs> but had a rocket arm. Yeah. And, uh, and then we had Kanerko, AJ, and, and Tadahito Aguchi, and that was, our, that was our starting. And then pitching, we got Freddy Garcia, Jose Contreras, Orlando Hernandez. I think, I think Orlando came later on in that season. I'm not sure. But we had Burley, obviously, who was stellar, who had come up with us. Brandon McCarthy, who had, who had come up with us. And John Garland, who had come up with us. Garland, to me, was the great what if that in the years after the 2005 team, I thought Garland was going to own you know, the Cy Young. He had that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I forget exactly how his career transpired after that. But um, you have him, Contreras and El Duque, the, two of their best seasons. Contreras never reached in New York where they wanted him to be what he became with the White Sox. Yeah, he, he didn't. Um, and then and he was old by this time. Right, right. And, and 33. So was, yeah. yeah, well, on paper. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> and then uh, Orlando was also on paper old. Um, so we were getting some retreads. Sure. Veterans. We call them veterans. Okay. That's that's a nicer way to say that. Yes. But Freddie was a, was uh, also, you know, he was a veteran. And then uh, Mark was still at the beginning of his prime, and uh, he was great. And then uh, John Garland, yeah. And they started to put it together. They win 99 games, and then goes – here comes one of the great postseason runs – of all time. Again. That, that, that no one remembers. That no one even seems to recall existed. No one remembers. <laughs> well, I remember. And White Sox faithful, all 20 of you, <laughs> they remember as well. Not a joke. Not a, not a joke at all. And, and it's amazing to me because the ALCS alone, I mean, you have the AJ, uh, you know, ball in the dirt. Uh, moment, one of the great controversies in in recent postseason memory. But uh, you know, take five uh, bull White Sox bullpen. We got we, we got complete four games, four complete games in a row yep. to win the ALCS. That is never happening now, ever again, ever, ever. ever. Period. Amen. Yeah, never going to happen again. They were on fire. They fed off of each other. Uh, it was a great it was a great time and to be a, a White Sox fan. We had picked up they they played different than I had been watching them for years and they played different. This was a get Scotty on base, he's going to steal second or we or we're going to bunt. Like the, we were playing like NL teams and we hadn't ever played like that. Throwback yeah. True throwback baseball. Yep. It was great to watch. Get a guy on, bunt him over to second, or he's going to steal it. Get him in uh, scoring position. Then comes Canerco. He's going to bring him in. You know, it was that type of ball that I was watching, and I was like, "This is not the bash, bash, bash that I was accustomed to." It was, an, and it was exciting. Like Ray Durham was stealing bases back in the day, but like 
not to the not like Scotty Pasednik was. He he was on fire. He he had like let's see how many did he have? Fifty nine. Fifty nine. Yeah, we'll get it here on Baseball Reference. Fifty nine stolen bases for the year. Yeah, and it was, and it was, um, guys were were taking walks, like it was. It was we, we do a lot that, of that it, nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it it was at the beginning of because 2004 Red Sox, that's that whole Moneyball influence right there, where walks are really a premium, and that's how they you know they had uh, what's like a Euclid who yeah. was like <laughs> not all the way there yet, but he was the Greek god of walks. Yeah, he was they the took, Greek god of walks. Right. They take the the Moneyball uh, uh, model and and put it on the big stage. Exactly, yeah. and and uh, it was different to watch. It was different to watch, and it was uh like that that postseason was unbelievable. Now at this time, you're living in L.A. We should we should talk about you a little more a, a little more in full depth. You are an assistant director, member of the Directors Guild of America. Woo-hoo. Represent DGA, DGA, um, and you went to college in Chicago, and then moved to LA in 1998. All right, so you're in Los Angeles. You're 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 doing your thing. You're you're building your career, uh, becoming an assistant director. And where are you watching the 2005 postseason? I believe I well, I think that year I got the. MLB package. And so I watched as many because the great thing about the job is sometimes you're off for months. Right. So I would just hunker down, watch some White Sox baseball, eat ramen noodles, <laughs> you know. So we're living in LA at $15 an hour. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, 10 before the time and a half kicks in. But when the postseason started, I had taken a job in New Mexico. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico on an awful show. And uh, my brother was living there. And it was probably the last time we got together for anything. Like I hadn't talked to him before that in five years. And then the White Sox were in the postseason. And he called me up. He's like, hey, I hear you're in Albuquerque. You want to get together for some White Sox games. And I was like, yeah. So we watched the White Sox play a couple postseason games. When they made the World Series, I cried. <laughs> um, and then and me and my brother watched a couple World Series games. I remember, I don't want to I don't want to pass through the World Series, but um, there's a guy who we picked up mid to late season who didn't do much, who will now never have to buy a beer. <laughs> at least in the south side of Chicago. Like, nobody knows him in the north side, but at least in the south side of Chicago, he'll never have to buy a beer. On the north side, they'll be like, oh, hey, you used to play ball. That's interesting. All right, here's your tab. That's great. No, and this guy's name is Jeff Bloom. Yeah, Jeff Bloom. Oh, man. Yeah. Home run. <laughs> Ozzy's son called it. I don't know if you know this story. I don't know the full story, but... Ozzy's son said to Ozzy... Jeff, Blue, you got to get Jeff Bloom in. He's going to he's going to do something tonight. Basically, basically what it comes down to is he's going to do something tonight. I don't know why he had that feeling. He hadn't done much all season. But sure enough, Bloom comes in home run. <laughs> I believe it was in extra innings, right? Um, 
Well, a couple of, a couple of things. He 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 started the year with the uh, with the San Diego Padres. Right. Right. In 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 uh, career war of three point three. Um, but, uh, you're asking world series and it was a, it was a game one. Uh, no, I think it was, um, this, oh, this was the infamous game three. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, uh, uh, the, uh, the 14 inning, uh, uh, thriller in Manila. That thing was, uh, just, so let's get this right. Yep. It's, it was, it was game three. This is the infamous 14 inning thriller. Again, the 2005 World Series, though it was a 4-0 sweep, that was an intense World Series. I mean, the games decided by a combined, I think it's four runs. Yeah. But, yeah, Jeff Bloom, uh, uh, top of the 14th inning, hits a home run to break the tie. Yeah. And Ozzy's son called it. Amazing. And, and who had heard of Jeff Bloom? He was he was acquired via trade from the Padres early in the season. There to Well, seemingly, late, late in the season is when yeah. we got him. And... His official stats for the playoffs, one at bat, one hit, one home run. <laughs> one shining moment. One shining, <laughs> one shining podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, that was his moment. And now on the south side of Chicago, he doesn't have to buy a beer. Well, and, and you know, interesting as well that in all of the storylines of that season and that postseason, who should hit? The great walk-off home run in the World Series, Scott Pesednik. Very good. Who what's had? A, who what's didn't a Pesednik? Have, you yeah, asked? What's a Pesednik? Who had? I think, <laughs> if I'm not wrong, I think he only had maybe one home run all season. Uh, one, no home runs. No home runs. Season. That's yeah. right. No home. That's what made it even better. Zero home runs for the season. And here he comes in the World Series and hits one of the great walk-off home runs of all time. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Jermaine Dye was phenomenal. Love Jermaine Dye. He had a great stint in Atlanta as well. I was a fan before it was cool. Yeah, we got him from the A's, I think. Yep. He, his 2001 getting injured uh, going into that World Series or going into that postseason is what many feel de- uh, uh, derailed the athletics in that that year. He was, he was that integral to that particular team. That made sense, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Yeah, Jermaine Dye, one of the key elements of the 2001 A's when he went down in that postseason, many pundits said that's why they they couldn't uh, finish the deal. Yeah, he had a great uh, World Series. He was MVP of the World Series. Um, but also, throughout the season, you can't not bring up Bobby Jenks. <laughs> the great thing about it was whenever Ozzy would call for the bullpen... He would come out and instead of usually, you know, tapping the left left arm for the lefty or the right arm for the righty, Ozzy would come out and he would spread his arms like, give me the fat, <laughs> tall guy. He'd do that. He'd go fat and tall and then Bobby would come running out. And it was awesome. It was awesome. See, this is, this is the shame of it all. A lot of great personality on this team. Oh, tons of personality. You had... Uh, Aaron Rowan, who was like a uh, the blue collar, like really down in the dirt type of player, who would run into fences and um, Lenny Dykstra without all the craziness off the field. There you go. And then AJ getting into fights with Cubs, which I loved. Uh, like just that guy, that under the skin guy, but could back it up. Like could hit, could rope. Um, 
even keeled kind of like Pauly Canerco lead by example guy, uh, you know, and then their manager is just all over the place. Like Ozzy's just out there and he, he really ignited that team. Yeah. And he took a lot of the fire, you know, from, from press coverage and whatnot, you know, he, he was the outrageous one so that the team could just do their business. Right. Exactly. And that's something you don't see much at all. I mean, managers outside of maybe Joe Madden, like who's the most colorful manager you could think of right now. I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's how long it takes. Yeah. I I couldn't even think of one. They're all seemingly, you know, company men. Yeah. Company men. Exactly. But then uh, that got Ozzy into trouble when he went down to uh, Miami. Sure. Yeah. You know, (laughs) suddenly that mouth was writing checks that uh, his body could not cash. Uh, I want to talk about Mark Burley real quick, too. Um, Please. One of my favorites. Again, this team was loaded with just favorite players. Great ball players. Awesome. And could pick you off. Like that, the best pickoff move in baseball for probably his career, like was always tops in pickoff percentage. You couldn't steal against him. He had had such a great move quick. And the best thing about him was you could go to a game and an hour and a half later, the game's over because (laughs) he (laughs) was straight to it, boy. You, you like he'd throw it, he'd pitch it in there ball he'd get the ball back and be ready to go no he's not he's got places to be things to do he was not messing around he and aj only had one sign which was the uh the bring it hand yeah Yeah, exactly straight out of the matrix he i think uh, which is funny like when people will talk about great pitchers of that era i don't think he'll get mentioned but he should he had perfect game. He had no hitter. In the World Series, he was unbelievable. Complete games. Um, and one of the best pickoff moves in baseball. Certainly. He, he never he never uh, finished in the Cy Young with the exception of that 05 season. Um, but if you look at stats overall i mean he's on that fringe 214 wins to only 160 losses kind of a high era for you know when you're considering like greats of an era or of Mm -hmm. all time or whatnot you could make a case you could make you could make an argument i could make many arguments yeah gold glove i mean as you say credit to his defense one of the great uh defensive highlights of all time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the ass over tea kettle oh, summer yeah. start somersault getting the guy at first <laughs> that was great and you're right he he had dinner reservations he had places to be oh that was that was the true joy in watching him pitch you know as someone who grew up with uh greg maddox with the 77 pitch complete game you know it was uh that's the that's the kind of baseball that i love uh for certain things didn't go so well in miami and toronto after that no but as a white sock Phenomenal. Phenomenal as a White Sox. Let me ask you about this. Um, the 2005 World Championship team, you have a distinction that uh, that uh, stabs my, uh, my insides as a sports fan, something that I would kill to have, and that is every one of the pro teams that you grew up following and loving has won a championship. Correct. Not only that, there are two dynasties involved 
not to mention uh, the greatest, uh, arguably the greatest football team of all time in the 85 Bears. This is correct. Uh, being a Chicago sports fan, because I love all the teams except the Cubs. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's we've had some real great teams. 85 Bears, just a bunch of characters. I could go on about the 85 Bears. Peyton, superstar. We've had superstars. Walter Payton, iconic. Michael Jordan, iconic. The Jordan years are ridiculous. You're actually, and what's what I'm tremendously jealous about is that you're actually there. Like you're living in Chicago yeah. as this guy. You're making appointments each year for Grant Park. You know, right around mid June. Yeah. For the for for I uh, ditched work a few times to go to the parade. Not gonna lie. Right. I mean, you know, Boston is on this unprecedented run as a sports city. True. And it condensed, but if you go from starting in 83, 84 uh, until uh, now, still, um, of course, you're not going to count the Cubs, which is fine. We, right. we we get that. It's one of the great runs for a city ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, we've had we've had some like the, the 85 Bears and then we didn't have anything until Jordan. But Jordan is on the scene at that right at 85, 86. Yeah, he's so, on the scene yeah. and he's doing his thing. But and the, but we're losing to the Pistons <laughs> for three years. And then we don't win a championship till 91. Then we own all of the 90s with the Bulls. But the Blackhawks hadn't done anything since uh, they went to the Cup in 92 or 3. 92. Yeah. And got smoked by uh, Pittsburgh. We got swept. Super Mario, Super Mario, Yager, um, but there was a there was a good ten, maybe even thirteen years of nothingness on the Blackhawks, and then you know, homeboy dies, Wurtz dies, and then uh, we get back to greatness, and then uh, and the <laughs> uh, the White Sox again were like eighty three, ninety four. We had, I mean, we well, had, the 93 team wins the division. 93 team so wins the, the division, that, yeah. So there's, there's the little pockets, and then 2005, and then that goes away quickly. So my question is, having seen all of this greatness, for your true, tried-and-true teams, I mean, I've jumped on many a bandwagon in my time because when you, ha when you grow up with teams like the Hawks <laughs> and the Thrashers for five minutes... Uh, you try to find yeah. something to feel good about in the sports world. We did have the Braves. That you did. is, that you is had a whole decade <laughs> of winning with the Braves. We did. We certainly did. And I'm, 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 I, I'm mindful of this. And you know, those you are the forget things. Forget that all the time. And no, no, no. Unfair. Unfair. All right. Go um, on. So, so my question. I lost my my train of thought. Having seen the '85 Bears, the Jordan Bulls, this recent run with the Blackhawks. Where does the 2005 White Sox rank in your personal? What, what am I trying to say here? Where like would you list, rank that? Yeah, like what, yeah, of okay. championship uh, wins. So they're probably the team I have rooted for and loved the most. It's tough because when you're a Chicago fan, like you root for all, like the Bears. I have pictures of me when I was like seven years old with Walter Payton jersey. I got pictures of me with White Sox hats. Uh, I got and 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 t-shirts. Uh, my buddy, my best friend Darren Larson, and I used to go to Blackhawk games. His his brother had season tickets, and and Darren used to play hockey. So 
he was a huge Blackhawks fans and, a fan and really kind of got me into the Blackhawks. You had the Chicago Bulls, who before Jordan were not great. We had Reggie Theus, Orlando Woolridge. Uh, but I wasn't paying much attention until we got a scrawny 6'6 guard from North Carolina. Um, <laughs> and that was in 84. So feel like I should play some Alan Parsons right now. At guard. So uh, I would say. And you don't care about the Cubs at all. So it's I, like, I don't <laughs> care about. I, I can't express to you how I don't care about. Like, I don't care about them. In when they won it in 2016, I rooted against them. Because here's the thing. Like, it bothers me so much. My best friend diehard Cubs fan, his family, diehard Cubs fans. They were like, oh, we rooted for the White Sox in 2005. Shut up. I, I don't want to hear it <laughs> because you guys are like, oh, that's cute. You guys won a title. That's nice. And the little, little ruffle of your hair. That's great. No, I'm happy for them. But that makes me hate them. Like, I hate the Cubs. I didn't root for them. I was rooting against them. But when they won... I was happy for my friend and his dad because his dad has never seen them win. God, no one alive has ever seen them win. Yeah, and but the same could have been said for the White Sox before 2005 because remember, they had their own curse. The, what did, did you have a name for that curse? Did, no, did we South didn't have Siders? a cute little name. We didn't have the goat. You know, we didn't have a curse of the goat. <laughs> we didn't have a curse of the Bambino. By the way, like... <sighs> When, so, so the Red Sox win in 2004, and everybody's like, oh, the curse is over, the Bambino. The, what, besides the Cubs, the longest curse. No. <laughs> no. There was another team. There was it. another team that was suffering more than you that nobody cared about. Again, they, 80, I think it's 84. Well, it was it was nineteen seventeen, so it was eighty eight years. Eighty eight years. That's you, right. You the 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 White Sox faithful went longer. Pound for pound, then the Red Sox. Thank you to see a, a title. Thank you. And, and again, it's the fact that the years of suffering didn't have the headline-grabbing moments. You didn't have no. a Buckner behind the bag. No. Yeah, it, but so it's lost. It's lost in the relative conscious. You don't have the black cat running across, right? The ball going through Durham's legs, and you don't have the cute name. We don't have the lovable losers. We don't have the curse of the goat, the curse of the Bambino. We don't have, you know, it just... It was the curse of the Black Sox. It was, it was just a curse of being on the, the South team, side. Th that 1990 team tried to ruin baseball. People would say it's the curse of Comiskey because the Black Sox, you know, they, they threw the 1919 World Series and then, you know, so it was the curse of Comiskey because he didn't pay the players whatever i mean we we made the world series in uh 59 the original go-go white Sox. Yeah. yeah and nobody remembers that like there was nothing iconic about that well there was a, a there was a certain uh left-hander for the dodgers that uh kind of stole the show yeah. for that world series but nobody would like uh, like i don't even know if diehard white Sox fans knew we were in the world series in 59 <laughs> We'll have to go ask, you know, all three of them that are still alive. But to answer your question about where do the 2005 White Sox Where does that rank, championship that, run? Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Unfortunately, I think it's probably fourth. 
but and 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 that almost makes me a hypocrite for saying yeah. that they could but I'm going to explain why because the bulls had a dynasty of the 90s and the and the greatest and the, of all time and yeah. the greatest of all time the blackhawks has a, had a dynasty of the 2000s ish like from 2010 till well not this year but like we had a good run we had you know three titles in i think 8 years yeah Scott Foster is going to take that mantle, though. Shut he's, up. He's going to take it to the next level. Hey, anybody here ever <laughs> think about playing hockey? Come on down and be the goalie for the Chicago Blackhawks. We're uh, we're giving away free. <laughs> we're going to pay you to come on down and be a goalie for the night. <laughs> Have any experience? Hey, Doesn't matter. I I thought about being a goalie one time. Come on down. You're good enough to go. I played uh, NHL 94 back when I was growing up. Perfect. You're, we'll sign you up. <laughs> the Blackhawks have a place for you. It was uh, three cups in six years for the record. And then 96, or 2016, 2017, they were right there. So that's a hell of a run for yeah. that. Yeah, uh, oh, totally. We, lost, we lost game seven against the uh, Kings. Or no. Uh, yep, in yeah, it was the Kings, 2014. You yeah. could have easily had the three. We were yeah. in, the I think, the conference finals for... If if you if you go seven years, I think we're in the conference finals for at least five to six of those years. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 incredible for a yeah. hockey team. We had a great run. Uh, I don't know that it's over. It feels like it is because we didn't make the playoffs this year. But hopefully, we'll reset. Anyway, to get back to the original question, so they had they they were a dynasty. So it's and it was a it was a Blackhawks team that hadn't won since 1961, and hadn't been relevant in years like hadn't been relevant people had given up on the on the blackhawks because of bill Wirtz, who was the owner who wouldn't show them on television because he thought there were only twenty thousand blackhawks fans he's like well if i show them on television nobody will come to the game so he (laughs) wouldn't broadcast blackhawk games and when he died is right when all of a sudden Rocky Wirtz, who is his son, inherits the team, and we drafted Taves in 2008, and then everything starts turning. We get Kane in 2009, and then we get Cups in 2010, 13, and 15. Shut uh, up. So, Enough about them. Yeah, so again, back to the question. So that was another dynasty. So you got to kind of put, I, I put them there and then you have the most iconic football team maybe ever. It's quite possible. I mean, no one talks about the dolphins, that perfect season dolphins, the way that they talk about the, the 85 bears is its own thing. Yeah. No one's like the 72 dolphins. But. No. Or the, uh, 2001 Ravens. I think the Ravens won. 2000, yeah. Whatever, I don't care. But anyway, so that you have the most iconic like football team ever created. Um and then you have the 2000 like they hold a special place in my heart. But they're not on the podium. <laughs> but I don't know that they make it to the podium. Just be like cuz look at that. You get the Jordan Bulls, you got the, the Taves and Kane Blackhawks and you get the sweetness Bears, like th- these are iconic teams. That's a tough nut to. Cr- that's that's tough to get in there. You're never allowed. To, Shut up. To feel bad 
about a sports situation. Not ever. true. Hey, uh, let me <laughs> to touch back on uh, difference between um, the White Sox and the Cubs. The White Sox also um, their stadium is in the hood. Right. Yeah. It's in the hood with a capital H. The Wrigley Field is in Wrigleyville. It's surrounded by nice apartments. It's it, Look, for as much as I hate the Cubs, Wrigley Field is kind of a cool thing. It, you get off the train, you walk a couple blocks, and boom, there's a, a stadium in the middle of this neighborhood. Like, there's not a lot of parking around. It's, it's, it's weird because it's different than any other stadium because it's in the middle of a neighborhood. Usually your stadiums are in like open space, like, well, usually they're in not great areas, but uh, because the land's cheaper, but um, <laughs> they're like, you know, you could see them from the highway. You can see like this. It's not like that. Wrigley is just, you're walking around and then, oh, well, there's Wrigley Field. Yeah. For those who've never been, it's as if it just appears out of the... Yeah. You take a left, there's a bunch of houses. You take a right, there's a baseball stadium. Yeah. And so, but but that area is very white. That's where a lot of your college graduates from Notre Dame, U of I, UIC, Loyola, like they all live around there. Northwestern. Northwestern. And they all end up going to Cub games. And, you know, it's it's that. Whereas... Comiskey was in the hood and is still in the hood and there's not much to do. There's, there's, there aren't bars around there. There's not restaurants around there, but in Wrigley, there's bars surrounding the stadium, you know, and it's in the middle of a neighborhood. So you go there, you eat, you drink, you go to the game, you come out, you eat, you drink, you go to the White Sox game, you get there right before it starts (laughs) and then you leave directly after it's over <laughs> you ain't hanging around because you'll get mugged oh god so come on down to the white Sox, folks yeah <laughs> that is a ringing endorsement from one of their lifelong fans but that was back in the day now it's a i mean they built uh i think it was the, the bacardi bar or something like that they built a bar in the parking lot um but there's still not that you know, restaurants, it's, it's still a, a not great area. It's still not in, the, in a great area and you still don't hang out after. Well, let's talk about that element, uh, the stadium element. First off, let's talk about this name. Guaranteed rate field. Ouch. <laughs> it hurts to say. It's, I will never call it that, that. What do you what do you refer to it as? Well, I thought U.S. Cellular kind of worked. You call I it remember. The cell phone. I remember when we. <laughs> I remember when it was first called U.S. Cellular, and my buddy, uh, just reamed me mercilessly. <laughs> Rightfully and, so. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. But it was the era of like you get you know a progressive uh, rate field, which was uh, the Indians, and like, um, yeah. everybody was getting naming rights. So U.S. Cellular was a regional mobile cell phone company and finally it, beca- it it was cool because we'd call it the cell yeah good nickname good nickname it's got a good nickname so it'll work yeah but i refused to call it the cell for a long time i called it comiskey new comiskey a lot of people do but the cell kind of stuck and i was like i, I can get behind the cell i 
I can't get behind guaranteed rate field. I don't know that there's a cool nickname for that. No, there no, there isn't. There isn't. And Even a cool nickname for that still sucks. As you like yeah. to point out, the logo is a red arrow pointing down. <laughs> that's not great. That doesn't inspire confidence. That, that, in the, that's not great. In the winning ways no. of a ball club. No, no. So I will. It will never be called just, uh, just like, it will never be called Willis Tower. Right. It's Sears Tower for anyone who is from Chicago. No one from Chicago will ever call it the Sears Tower. It's, I'm sorry, the Will, Willis Tower. The, there we go. Yeah. Gotcha. Well. So it begs the question, Jerry Reinsdorf, the White Sox owner, obviously as a Bulls owner, it's kind of a controversial uh, relationship there. Uh, a lot of Chicago fans that I know, and I, you haven't expressed this, but they are not a fan of having Reinsdorf own the Bulls. You know, They don't think that he spends what the team is worth, considering that you're cashing huge checks from Jordan throughout the entirety of the, the franchise from here forward. But as a White Sox owner, he's he's well known to be more of a baseball fan. Like that was his that was his greater love. That's his love, yeah. So, what's your thoughts on him going with the guaranteed rate field as the name? Well, let's talk about Jerry. So Jerry uh, grew up in Brooklyn. He is a huge or was a huge Dodger fan. Loved as like memorabilia of the Dodgers. Loved the Dodgers. So his whole dream was to own a, a baseball team. Uh, and he bought the White Sox from, I believe, Bill Veck. And right, right about the time they start building the new the new yard, I think. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know that's his love, and he he owned the Bulls. He is partly, and I would say half, like maybe sixty percent, responsible for breaking up the dynasty. He had put in charge Jerry Krause, who is our GM. This who, is the Bulls. Who this is the Bulls? Sorry for those following along at home. We're talking yes. Bulls. Right we're talking now. Bulls right now. Jerry Krause was the GM of the Bulls, and Reinsdorf uh, is a very loyal guy. So loyal that he named the Berto Center after one of the employees. Uh, I think who had passed away, but had been with him for a long time. Um, very loyal guy, which is admirable. I like that, but. When you're loyal to a guy who the players absolutely hate. Jerry Krause was a guy that the players could not stand. Uh, they called him crumbs because he would, uh, he would eat something and have crumbs all over his suit. And like, <laughs> so they called him crumbs. They, they hated him. He was, uh, he was of, the, of, of the mind that ownership wins championships, not players. So Jordan and Pippen and, and Phil Jackson, and they all hated him. But Jerry would stay with him. Reinsdorf stayed with him. The last three championships, the 96, 97, 98, Jordan would only do one-year contracts because he was forcing the hand. He was saying, I'm not signing unless you sign Scotty and Phil. So everybody was basically on a one-year contract. I think Scotty might have been on a, 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 at the end of his contract around there and maybe did like two one-year contracts. But he would be like, no, we're, we're going to do a one-year contract and I'm going to wait and make sure that you don't mess this up. And so that's how it worked from 
96 to 98. And then it just, Phil couldn't take Kraus anymore. And Jordan and Pippen hated Kraus. And Kraus hated them and wanted to prove that he could, he, he was the mastermind behind these championships, not Jordan, not Phil. So he was eager to dismantle this team and build a new team with, you know, his picks and Ron Harper. Well, well, not Ron, Harper, but like Eddie Curry and um, oh, who's the guy from? He he started with two high school kids. It was uh, Eddie Curry, who was from Chicago. It was it, like the Twin Towers. And then, oh God, he's still playing in the league, and I can picture his face. Uh, Tyson Chandler. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. We had the young, the young Bucks, the Twin Towers. He drafted them, and he was like, "This is going to be my new team." Didn't work out. Not so much. Yeah, didn't didn't work out. So, uh, so he dismantled that team. So uh, Reinsdorf, um, you know, he backed him, so he's to blame for that. You know, we could have probably had two to three more championships. Yeah, it's by all accounts. I mean, at least one because as I had even forgotten that Jordan retired still the, the basketball season, the strike shortened season of uh was it 98, 99. Mm-hmm. He retired in 99 after the season had started. He was looking for a team. Again, props to the Ringer for doing a whole article about this. But um Same could be said for Kenny Williams uh, on the baseball side of things. uh, Reinsdorf loyal to a fault for Kenny with the way that things played out with Frank, with the big hurt at the very end of his career. Ozzy. Yeah. Got into it with Ozzy. Those two couldn't figure it out. So Ozzy had to go. Um, Yeah. And, And Kenny was making bad picks. Like you look at the bad his, trades, uh, bad trades. You yeah. look at the last four years of him being the GM, and it, it. I mean, we had the worst minor league system in the league, like for a good four year stretch. Not the case now, though. No, no. So let's talk 2018, the state of the White Sox. Um, we're gonna play a, a game first without looking at your notes. Okay. Uh, name go. <laughs> Go through the diamond and tell me uh, all of your starting position players. Okay. <laughs> Would you like me to throw out nope, the position? I got this. I got this. Uh, catcher, Wilson Castillo. Correct. First base, Juan. I'm sorry, Jose Uribe. Wrong. You're, I'm, I'm, now, I'm, now you're going back in I'm time. Not, not Uribe. Sorry. Abreu. Sorry. That would should be the gimme. That is the gimme. He's great. Uh so first base, uh, Jose Abreu. Yep. Second base is um, Sanchez. Uh, I'm surprised you you got that. It, Eloy Sanchez, something like that. It 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 is uh, Yolmer. Yolmer. Yep. Yolmer Sanchez. But he's actually backing up this year because why is he backing up? The starting second baseman now is oh yeah oh, sorry it's a uh, Yoan uh, Maca- Makata Ma- Mancada Mancada there you go yeah all right let me take this back super prospect super prospect all right we'll give you we'll give you that all right so moving on all right so second base Yoan Makata now though Sanchez backing him up oh you know what Sanchez plays third 
Davidson. That's correct. Sanchez is at third. This is going great. This is awful. All right, let me. Can I go back? <laughs> you can go back. You can right. Take that back. All right, here we go. All right, second base. Super prospect Yon Mencada. Correct. That is a name. Uh, shortstop Anderson. Yep. Who is uh, another uh, super prospect? Yep. He just signed a, a very team friendly contract a year ago. Very excited with him. Third base um, is uh, Sanchez. I can't pronounce his first name. Yolmer. Thank you. That's fine. Uh, all right. And, and you, you earlier you correctly called that he was at second, but that's that's now as a as a as a utility option. Yeah. So. Oh boy, here's where. Okay, so left field, I believe, is uh, Garcia. Uh, as, av- jeez, of a sale, sale Garcia, right? Yes. Okay. Correct. <laughs> The names, man. This we're beyond the Tim Raines, Lance Johnson. <laughs> like it's all Cubans now. All right. So Abisail <laughs> Garcia, center field is right now. I think it's um. Oh, what's this guy's name? Starts with a last name. Starts with an E. I'll give you that. Oh, um. Uh, God. I don't know. I don't, th- I don't know if I get. I'm going to come back to that. All uh, right. right field. The Avisel is the starting right fielder. Oh, he's the right fielder. So we're looking for the left fielder. All right, looking no. for the left. Oh, left. Um, give me a second. Take your time. <laughs> I guarantee he's Cuban. Uh, left fielder. Who is it? It's give me a hint. Uh, he, uh, your starting left fielder, uh, long last name starts with a D. Long last name starts with a D. We're going Wheel of Fortune style. There's nine letters in the Not, last name of your left fielder. Davidson doesn't play out there. No, no, he's our DH. Correct. That's good. We, the, we 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 didn't cover that, so you got the DH with a D. My I don't know. Goodness. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to buzz uh, in. Go. Uh, Nikki Delmoncio. What? Or, I'm sorry. Uh, Del Del Delmonico. Nikki Delmonico. I don't believe he's our regular guy. But he is backed up by Uri Garcia, the second yes, Garcia. The second Garcia. Yeah. And then, all right, so just looking for the center fielder now. <laughs> hmm. Bear in mind, listeners, that you rattled off the 83 team in about, <laughs> in about 90 seconds. 2018 here's, is a little bit harder. Here's the thing. <laughs> All right, it's 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 Engel. Engel, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So we'll say you got like 7.5 out of 9. Engel. There yeah. you go. Adam so, Engel. That's so, right because he because he it's kind of like Adam Eaton who was our center fielder last year for half of the year. No, they traded him they traded him before the season. Before to, the, to he the was Nationals. before yeah, so he was our he was our center fielder before this. 
So here we are, your, your, your 2018 White Sox, not a whole lot of household names as of yet, but for a team that was on the fringe of tanking for so many years, and it really, credit where credit's due, they tried to stay competitive. You had Chris Sale, you signed a Jose Abreu. Uh, right. He's now in year five, but his, uh, his stat line is really solid. But uh, you, the farm system was was junk, was garbage. And then seemingly within a year, it flipped, and now they're a top 10 farm system. So yeah, your feelings now about the 2018 Chicago White Sox? Well, we were – I mean, we had pieces. It's uh, it, like we had pieces. We had Chris Sale. We had Jose Quintana. Um, I'm trying to – think of who else we had uh david robertson in the uh bullpen you you yep. they, they really went all in for uh uh for for uh, uh a contending rotation just two years ago two and three years ago remember back when zach duke that was a a, a prize yeah, name that didn't pan prize. out so didn't, well did, did not pan out as well as one had hoped um and of course, you know, always banking high on uh, Rondon at the uh, at the back end in your bullpen, and now uh, Joaquin Soria, who was a closer for a few years there in Seattle. I mean, they had they were trying to build a a, a contending team. Right. We we didn't want to we didn't want to tank. I, I think Kenny, uh, who was still the manager at that point, didn't want to, you know, because we we had we we just gotten Abreu, and we had some pieces. We got. Todd Frazier we went out and got Adam Eaton like we were getting pieces we, we got Melky Cabrera um we got uh Jimmy Rollins one time um <laughs> retread a little, a little past his prime Jimmy Rollins yeah um but we had Quintana we had Sale we got James Shields oh you had um, the uh what was the Alexi Ramirez Alexi Ramirez yeah. for, for a long time at shortstop the, the yeah. Cuban Missile the Cuban Missile um so we had pieces. So it was like we weren't going to, instead of blowing it up, we tried to add to what we already had. Um, I, and I can get behind that. Unfortunately, if you, if you try and add to, to what you have, but at the same time drafting busts year after year after year and having nothing in the minors – that's a recipe for disaster makes it really difficult to, you know, and you heard it here first, it makes it really difficult to make big trades, uh, you know, in crunch time and which, which has defined baseball now for a couple of decades, you know, I mean, who are the Red Sox of Oh four, if they don't trade for, uh, Cabrera and trade away Nomar, who are the Cubs of 2016, if not for going after uh, Chapman. So, yeah. So you're right. They were not in the uh, best position for success. No, and uh, so with, with the with the busted, you know, draft years. Exactly. Like you couldn't trade prospects for something that's going to help you because we didn't have any prospects. There's, there was no one. And then we changed um, GMs. Kenny went up to vice president of baseball operations, and Rick Yan uh, became our our GM. And he, after a couple of seasons, I think he, he tried to continue to play out the, you know, add pieces. And then he just said, we got to blow it up, guys. Yep. We, we got to blow it up. And we got to trade. I know that we have a, 
um, Cy Young pitcher in his prime. <laughs> who may very well be a once in a generation type who Cy may, Young pitcher. Exactly. Who is putting up ungodly numbers on a team that can't hit. <laughs> He's still the great, but we got to trade that guy because that's going to help us in the long run. And I think people started to see like the, the Cubs did it as well. The Cubs did and not so much. This was a different type of rebuild. We were dishing out guys, superstars in their prime. Right. Not casting off guys and paying half of their salaries so right. that they just, you know, get off the team. Yeah. We were trading Chris Sale in his prime, once in a generation type pitcher, Cy Young Award winner in his prime. And we had to do that. And we had to trade away uh, another center fielder in his prime, Adam Eaton. He was only with us a, a couple of years and, and he was doing very well. And we, we had to let him go. And Quintana, who was who we actually, you know, we had him in sale come up through our minor league system. And, and he's a guy who for years had just 200 plus innings, was a workhorse, got zero run production. Yeah had like a 500 record because if that mostly uh probably like 10 and 15 season like he got no love from hitting like our offense whenever he would pitch it, it would just be like all right we're gonna take a break <laughs> got, amazing considering the slugging power on that team yeah yeah but he we couldn't hit when 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 he pitched it was insane um, again, he was in his prime. He had three years of over 200 innings. He was stud. So Rick was like, we got to blow it up and we got to blow it up. <laughs> and, and we did, we blew it up and we got back prospects, a lot of prospects. I mean, overnight that that's barely hyperbole overnight, overnight, the, the white Sox go from you know, uh, a, a barren cupboard to, you know, a fully stocked warehouse. Yeah. And it's literally over like sale happened one day and then Eaton happened the next. And from just those two, we went from nothing with like zero prospects in like the top, I think 100 to now four or five in the top 20. According to the MLB pipeline, 100, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Seven prospects in the in the uh, MLB top 100. That is uh, nothing to something. Yeah, that's zero to 60 very fast. And really, it's eight considering this is the first full year of Moncada. And you think yeah. about in this day and age, you look at what the Astros did last year, the Cubs before that. This is how championships are built now. Even the Yankees yep. did this in, in minor. Um, so that being said, who excites you the most? Kopech, who can throw 112, that's exciting. I don't know if that's if there's a longevity there. <laughs> One hopes, um, but that's exciting. Um, and he came over. He was part of the. He's part of the sale. So yeah. we got Yoan and 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 Kopech, and then two other pitchers from Sale. We got uh, a pitcher, Lucas Giolato, Giolito. <laughs> and Ronaldo Lopez, uh, who are Giolato Lopez and Mancada are now with the team uh, the whole season this year. Yeah, they're and on the big league club. They're on the big league club. And then we got from Quintana, we got Eloy Jimenez, 
and uh, Dylan Cease, who is who were the big gets in now in those trades. And then we also went and picked up a, a Cuban, nineteen-year-old Cuban uh, Roberts. Uh, what's his first name? Uh, like uh, Leroy Roberts or something? Luis. Luis. Luis Robert. Of course, it's not going to be like Ro- uh, L- <laughs> Leroy. He's Cuban. <laughs> Come on, come on now, <laughs> Leroy Roberts from the South Side of Chicago, man. I play ball. Um, Robert, maybe. <laughs> sure, it's yep. Roberts to me. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he. Uh, we picked him up. Like signing Abreu has been huge for the White Sox because I guess he was a beloved Cuban player, and he has gotten us so many Cuban players. Since then, also like uh, uh, the the Cuban Missile, Alexi Ramirez, Alexi Ramirez helped as well. So we had Alexi, and then we had uh, Abreu, and then getting uh, and and he becomes kind of like the the older brother to a Mancada, to an Eloy Jimenez, to this uh, you know Leroy Roberts. <laughs> He's gonna be future a, star, Leroy Roberts. Leroy Roberts, look for him. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so now, so I, here's what I think. Like, if you get out of all those guys, and like we're, I think the number one or two farm systems overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you get top five at least, I, I don't have the exact rankings that they just put out, but they are in the top five to be if sure. If you get four or five of those guys, and and three of them are already there, but if you get four or five of of those guys who are high level, they come to the the team. But I think in two years you're going to be looking at World Series type team, um, stud team as well, like the Astros, like the 2016 Northsiders. <laughs> well said. Um, I think you're going to be looking at a team like that. Uh, we got some pitching coming. I haven't even mentioned Fulmer, Carson Fulmer, who we drafted, Rodon, who we drafted. Um, the the White Sox really are the sleeping giant of the American League. Here we're coming upon one of the biggest free agent off seasons in recent memory, and White Sox are going to have some money. Yeah. Uh, their highest paid player right now is big game James Shields. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> but he comes off the books next year. You know, right now their current pay- payroll for this season is seventy eight million. By next year, by this off season they can get that checkbook out and go after even a Bryce Harper. I mean, oh, there's, there's enough funds available. They can have a meeting with everyone who's available. We had talks about getting Manny Mancato. Machado. Machado. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You're going to have to get these right, considering your team is nothing but. <laughs> I know. The, I know. <laughs> the Latin American spice. And I'm Puerto Rican. This, that's what on, makes man. it a real slap in the this nuts. Is, this is brutal. This is brutal. I, I, I'm, You're killing me, Smalls. I'm bad with these names. Um, but he's going to be a free agent after this year, and there's real talk about him becoming our third baseman. And remember, they do play in the city of Chicago, which is a great place to live, especially in the summertime, despite what ESPN doesn't know. And it's a real team, guys. We have a real, real team. With, it, with, with real, real uniforms. And you know we're it's it's legit team. We have a whole stadium with a stupid name, but yeah, it's a real team. Now the big question, you know, with talent, you need great coaching. You need 
managers and coaches who know how to uh, foster that talent and help it grow. So how do you feel about Rick Renteria as manager of these White Sox? I am very happy to have Rick Renteria because he guided the Cubs in 14 and 15, and then they dumped him for Madden. Once Madden became available, they were like, oh, we got to get Madden. But he was pretty integral in developing the Cubs into what they are. So I'm all good with it. I think he's good with developing players, and uh, I'm I'm happy with, with Renteria. I'm fine with that. I don't need to – and he's, he's a baseball guy. He's been around it for years. He played – yeah, I mean, I, I I think you have a lot to look forward to. You have a lot to you have a lot to feel good about. White Sox fans have a lot to feel good about. All five of us out there, we have a <laughs> lot to look forward to. Uh, I believe two years, White Sox baseball fans, we're yeah. gonna be, we're gonna be able to celebrate <laughs> all thirty of us. The small roar rising up from the south side. Here's the thing, like I don't even think there was because I wasn't there. I wasn't in Chicago, but I don't even like the parade. The championship parade. I, I, I know I watched it. I think I might have been the only one. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like when the Blackhawks won, there were like 2 million people. It was crazy. When the Cubs won, there was like 5 million, I think. We had probably 150,000. Um, <laughs> they didn't even have to close off we, traffic. They didn't close off traffic. It was just like, hey, let that bus through. Uh, people were just waving <laughs> from the curb. Hey, what what's going on? Uh, can I get that bus? I is that going uptown? Nope. All right, good, fine. Uh, we didn't have to close off traffic, which was nice. Uh, no ticker tape, so the cleaning guys in Chicago sanitation were were appreciative of that. Um, no overtime for the cops. It was it was a quick right down Michigan. We I think we we didn't even like you know we just. Took the lights. It was a red light. We stopped. <laughs> green. We, um, yeah, it was fine. It Most was people kind of thought it was just a sightseeing tour bus anyway. They did. They thought it was a hop on, hop off. A lot of tourists were like, is this ours? No. Why is, it, why is everyone wearing a White Sox jersey in that? Actually, what, what jersey is that? Who is this team? What's <laughs> he holding nice, up? What's he holding up? Yeah, that's a nice trophy. Where would y'all buy that from? Yeah. Is there a souvenir shop? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Brutal. We get no respect. Brutal. ESPN... Treats us like poop. They forget that we won twice <sighs> before the before the Cubs won. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me get you out of here on this. Uh, coming into home, as we like to say on the Running the Bases podcast. Um, you know that I have uh, very strong opinions about the Braves' current uh, new facility that they moved to only 20 years uh, after Turner Field opened, where some of my most treasured memories as a baseball fan took place. That said, you know, talking about guaranteed rate field, <laughs> the G rate, um, what would be the improvements that you would make? And would you would you be in favor of a battery type development uh, uh, being built around the Sox stadium? Change the name first and foremost. Yes, absolutely. And what would you change it to? Comiskey Park. <laughs> Is there an acceptable corporate tie-in? Here's the thing, because <clears throat> because Soldier Field is a historic monument, you can't have naming rights for it. So the Bears do Soldier Field presented by, I think it's Citibank. 
Sure. I would love to do something like that. Unfortunately, um, I don't think the company that puts their name to it would be down to go Comiskey Park presented by because Comiskey Park, guaranteed rate, U.S. seller, <laughs> is not a historic monument. That's why you can't do Wrigley Field. They, they, they can never change Wrigley Field. It's a historic monument. So it'd be great to go, this is Comiskey Park presented by Duracell. I don't know. <laughs> but it's I would, great. Would you consider it G rate? No, I, I'm not, I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> so change the name first and foremost. I mean, anything. Change the name. Uh, they have done renovations to the park. <laughs> the GRF? Nope. No, stop calling it that. The GR field? Nope. Come on, you know you want to say it. They've done reservations you know- to the cell. Uh, when they first built it, here's a little fun fact. When they first built it, there are uh, panels out there um, in the outfield uh, where the lights are. There are panels. Uh, they put those panels up because they found gunshots in the seats. Oh, where boy. the bleachers were. So those panels were put up. Um, and those were coming from the Ida B. Wells projects across the way. Oh, boy. Yeah. So that was uh, in the 90s. Um, when it was first built, I went there. If you were in the upper deck, it was the scariest thing you've ever been a part of. Infamously known, yeah. Vertical, like on like nothing I've ever experienced. Like you walked almost straight up. And then when you were sitting in your seats, you felt like if you leaned forward too much, you were tumbling. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And it was blue, which was weird because we weren't blue. But anyway. Yeah. Better in the hot sun, I guess. Yeah. Um, So it kind of was a mess. Like they dropped the ball on it. I think... Because this was the time of the Camden Fields and um, progressive uh, rate field in, 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 uh, where the Indians play. Uh, Cleveland. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Doesn't matter. So really. we kind of like went on the cheap. We went on the cheap. We built a stadium. Not a whole lot of bells and whistles. Just on the cheap. Just a new stadium. Because we needed it. Uh, but we didn't, put, we didn't put anything spectacular and we kind of faced it the wrong way. Like, if you would have turned home plate, if you would have done a, a 180 uh, with home plate, you, you would have got, you would have been able to see the skyline. They definitely botched that one. Yeah. The view is not much to write home about. No, you're looking at the projects. If yeah. you're in the upper deck behind home plate, you're looking at the projects across the highway. Now, did, did original Kamitsky, OG Kamitsky, have a nicer view? Well, you couldn't because couldn't it was really see you couldn't see anything it, yeah. because it was it was it was just like uh, like um, Tiger Stadium where you like there was nothing you couldn't like the yeah. there was a big overhang and like the seats were just under that you couldn't you there, you couldn't there was no view. They have made m- many significant changes to it, so they. They made it less vertical. They took out some seats on the upper deck. Uh, a new color scheme. Now it's black. They made a whole out uh, outfield pavilion 
They put some ivy out there. Um, they have the field level uh, bar area, which is very cool. That's been replicated several times now, yeah. including here in Atlanta's new facility. Yeah, we got that. Um, and I I, been, I went last year, and it uh, it's it's nicer. It's a lot nicer. Um, but that stadium slash restaurant slash LA Live. That's not going to work there. It's, no, not at all. It's not going to work because it's a it's it's a bad area. It's still a bad area. Now the gentrification is starting to come that way, but not where Comiskey is. So it wouldn't work there. And really, there is the double edged sword that comes with gentrification of certain areas and historic parts of these cities. Yeah, Atlanta case in point as you see as great as some of these developments are in downtown atlanta like the Beltline and stuff that people know of atlanta now on a national scale no one can live there anymore that grew up there yeah so um, i always felt like uh, to continue talking about this i always felt uh, like they took down the the, the uh, projects across the highway i mean it's getting better but it's not there and maybe if you built something like that i don't know if it would work, I, I, I don't know. But it, if it could be worked out, would that be something that let's say you're, let's say you're, you've got the right ear of, of Ryansdorf and these guys can, they, the, this developer can come in and create this in the South side of Chicago. Is that something that you would champion to the powers that be? I mean, sure. Why not? If, if, cause if they didn't move the stadium, I would be for it. It would help out that whole area. The great thing about both stadiums in Chicago are public transportation is it's easy to get to them. Yeah. It's the socks easy. are right off of a line as right. well. Yeah. Right off of uh, uh, a um, line, the red line. And it's right next to a highway. That's the difference between that and, and the Atlanta one. Uh, there's no public transportation to that place. Um, but would I be for it? Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. It, it would help out that that whole neighborhood. I don't know that it would work. I still think it's still not there yet. That neighborhood is not great. People are not going to want to. I, I mean, God, it would be great, though. <laughs> it would be great if people would come and hang out, and hang and... out. Man, that would be nice. That'd yeah. be nice. Yeah. As the redheaded stepchild, if suddenly you're the most popular kid in school, isn't this a little bit of if you didn't love me at my worst, you can't love me at my best? If suddenly the when, White Sox were in two years when we become. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. Uh, but um, I will always like there, there's going to be bandwagon jump bandwagon fans. There always are. There, the Cubs have like probably two million of them. I see everybody with these Cubs hats. Uh, but the difference is the Cubs were on WGN and they got, to, you know, the, the, that was a, a nationwide Superstation that people could watch the Cubs play in you know, Seattle, in Nebraska, and like they were kind of a national brand, and people adopted them, and that's great, whatever. Well, it's some Stockholm syndrome. I mean, the underappreciated, uh, sadistic nature of Cubs ownership was that they wanted them to be bad. Yeah, that's how, that was their brand. Yeah, the Tribune and, Company yeah. was not putting money towards them and they knew that they had the cash cow in Wrigley field. Yeah. So why do anything? And you know, Wrigley field and Wrigleyville is that which 
the battery and LA live and all these things yeah. that is their inspiration without so. like, and at Wrigley, they are now building a hotel uh, across the street. Like yep. the Ricketts are building a, a, re- a restaurants and hotels. there, uh, kind of like a battery. So it's going to turn into that type of thing. Even more the, so. Yeah. The Cubs weren't getting a, a piece of, you know, um, the, the cubby bear and Murphy's and whatever it, like they got a piece of those rooftops, uh, I think what like six years ago that was a big fight, but they weren't getting a lot. Of, they weren't getting those rooftops for years, but they don't get, um, you know, a piece of of the bars and the restaurants that are around there, like the Braves do with the battery. The Braves get a piece of everything. The, oh yeah, the Lakers get a piece of L.A. Live. Uh, St. Louis gets a piece of what's it called there? Ballpark Village. Ballpark yep. Village. Um, yeah, that'd be. Oh God, I'd, I'd love that for the, the White Sox. I just don't think it would ever work. Um, bandwagoners, yes, come on board. Pretend that you were a fan. Look, there's a lot of fans that are that are hibernating now. That like a, a, a lot, but I still love seeing a, a person in a in a Sox uh, shirt. The funny thing is like. I see the White Sox hat because it's become a part of fashion. Yeah, it's, okay. it's become like a, like back in the day, Ice Cube was wearing it because it's black and white. And uh, what's funny is if you, there's a little area where you can black out uh, in the O, and it and then it reads sex. It becomes a ah, very nice. Yeah, so people used to do that, but it's a it's kind of become like an <laughs> iconic hat. It's almost like the the king's hat back in the day. It was like kind of thuggish, kind of like you know hip hop. It's one of the few hats that actually spells out the name of the team. Right. Yeah. It's not just a letter or a logo. It is the word. But it's one of those hats where people will wear it and couldn't name a single person on the team. Yeah. But you see, like rappers wear it, and you see like. Uh, athletes wear it. And what's funny is I was overseas recently. I was in Madrid and I was getting a, uh, I stopped in at a footlocker and I was looking at the hats and they had, of course they had the Yankee hat and you saw people with Yankee hats there and you knew that they had never been to New York. They, They had an LA Dodger hat and it just says LA. So everybody wants to rep that. But they also had, two White Sox hats. Whoa. And I said to the girl, I said, do you know what, you know what that team is? She's like, nope. I was like, do you sell a lot of those hats? She's like, well, not, there was a, there was a, uh, the flying batsman, flying batsman hat. And then there was the regular black Sox hat. And she's like, oh, the black one we do. And I was like, okay. But uh, interestingly enough, that's uh, uh, twice as many as was at the uh, the stand in Chicago that you went uh, to. Big time, yeah. They had two <laughs> hats there, and that's more than they had at the souvenir shop in Chicago. <laughs> um, but yeah, so because that's become kind of a, a, a fashion... It's a look. They have a, a look. look. They have yeah. a brand and a look. That's exactly. In, so because yeah. it's become a, a, a fashionable hat... People, you see people wear White Sox hats all the time, and I'm like, "Are you a fan?" Oh no, no, I just I I've gotten that. There's a girl who does trivia here at Fido's. She wears a White Sox hat, and I was like, "Oh, White Sox fan?" She's like, "No, nah, it was just a hat." So, <laughs> wow, wow, yeah. So, but not as much as Cub hats. But um, so when you see a person in a White Sox shirt. 
that's when you know. That's when you know. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's like well, a secret society. You it got really a, a handshake and everything. It really, and there's so few of us. It's so funny because when I go back to Chicago and, I, and I'm on the south side because that's where my friends live and I see people with White Sox stuff, I'm always like, hey, oh, wait, I'm in Chicago. Like that, this isn't going to be cool. Like it's not unusual. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to, I don't have to go, Hey, you're wearing a white sock shirt. Yeah. I live in Chicago. So that's really the only place you see them. But I joke that there are 30 white sox men, but there is a sea of Southsiders who are easily 65, 70. Yeah. I joke that it's 30. It's easily 70. Uh, there is a, 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 a good, like, mass of us on the south side who are just waiting for it and when it happens and it's just like blackhawk fans like there's there's they were diehard blackhawk fans and then when they won all of a sudden there's two million of them and now you go up to chicago and it's blackhawks everywhere like every kid has a jersey every every car has a sticker there are you there are still a good number of white Sox fans in that south side when they start to win, you're going to see that stadium fill up. We're going to come back with vengeance, and there's going to be bandwagon fans. That's fine. Join it. But when I see you and I say, name a player on the 2005 World Series, and you can't, I'm going to ridicule you. But that's okay because join the, join the team now. That's fine. It's a good time to buy. It's good, good time, time to, to buy, buy right now. Buy right now. And then you can say, yeah, White Sox, 2019, 2020 World Series champs. I've been, oh, man, I love this team. You're going to be calling ESPN every day as oh, that World Series exactly. is going on. Going, guys, uh, we won in 2005, too. Because <laughs> they're probably going to say they haven't won one since 1917. Yeah, if they acknowledge their existence at all. Um, will we see a Cubs-White Sox World Series in the near future, perhaps? If it happens... It yeah, would, what happens to the city if that happens? Implodes. It explodes. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Phenomenal. Because throw, throw, throw back to 1907, actually. Yeah, I don't. The last don't time remember, it happened. I don't remember that. <laughs> and I don't think it would be as big. I mean, it, it would be huge. That would be the greatest thing. I know when the Mets and the, and the Yankees play. I just I, We've got history. The White Sox have been there from the giddy-up. The Cubs have been there from the get. We have history. I that's why I think it would be bigger. Yeah, it would be, and you know, the flyover states, if you will, would would uh, would get on board the way that they did not when we had that Subway Series in two thousand. Yeah, once you got south of the Hudson River, there wasn't as much casual interest in the New York Subway Series as they thought there would be. And you're right, you know. White Sox have been there since the start of the American League. Cubs yeah. go back to the start of baseball, but whatever. You're, you're, you're not here to talk about the past. <laughs> Clearly. Well, Scott, this has been excellent. Long time running. Can't thank you enough for coming on and talking oh, some White Sox baseball. Been my pleasure. My yeah, pleasure. Absolutely. Let's not wait till the next family reunion to do this again. Shout out to President Barack Obama. I ha- will love Obama in my heart forever. Not just because he was a great president, first black president, but because when they posed to him, hey, you're a Chicago guy. Which team do you root for? Cubs or White Sox? He didn't take the diplomatic, 
politically correct. Oh, I I root for both teams. I, you know, I'm a fan of both. No. <laughs> he said White Sox. He and we were and we're poo. We were poo then. He said White Sox. First pitch at Nationals Park, White Sox hat. Oh yeah. And I'll give I'll give uh, a little shout out to uh Richard Daly, mayor of Chicago for a long time, also diehard White Sox fan. Would not give the political correct, like diehard White Sox fan. Props to him as well. There's so few of us. But being that there's so few, you have two of the highest profile of all time in the history of the United States. So that's pretty good. You can hang your hat on that. I'll take that. And Jordan, you know, yeah, he's he's a fan because he played. I don't know. And because Reinsdorf on the team, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't know if he was from birth. I doubt it. But whatever. We're going to rope him in. We're going to throw him on. I'll take it. We'll throw throw him on. Yep. And to Obama's credit, when asked why White Sox, he said, well, the Cubs, that's Wrigleyville. That's a fun experience. But the White Sox, that's actual baseball. Boom. Drop the mic. Mic drop number 44. Thanks, Obama. Love you. Um, A thank you to uh, everyone who uh, listens to the podcast, the Running the Bases podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Running the Bases, uh, at Running the Base on Twitter. Uh, Like us on Facebook. Uh, You can find all things Running the Bases at our website, runningthebases.com. Special shout out to David Wayngarten. Um, his album, Truth Is, I Don't Know, is available on iTunes. He has provided us with our intro and outro music for the Running the Bases podcast. So for Mr. Scott Brown, here live at the Metropolis in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, uh, I am Tucker Wells. This is the Running the Bases podcast. Coming into home and we're safe. Scott, you have yourself a fantastic day. Thank you, good sir.